This talk was given by Linda Shinji Hoffman at Zen Mountain Monastery. Shinji is a senior lay student in the Mountains and Rivers Order. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or find out more about our various programs, visit us online at zmm.org. Thanks for listening. Good afternoon. I've been in a relationship with, with three different, I don't even know what to say, things, people, not exactly, places. One is Zemmount Monastery for some 20 years. Another is my partner who I've been with for some 20 years. And the third is an apple orchard that I've also been with for 20 years. And in particular, one apple tree. So I was interested yesterday when Gokhan, he quoted something uh, about relationship. And I'll just kind of repeat it a little for those of you who weren't here yesterday and, or didn't listen to the talk yesterday, if you're doing one continuous thread. And this quotation said, relationship brings suffering, and that it's far better to go off into seclusion and quiet and tranquility. My partner says relationship is the refiner's fire that does. Um, there is suffering there. And I, I know Gokhan talked a little bit about how, of course, we're actually always in relationship. But I was thinking, as this was kind of floating in my mind, without this Dharma practice, I can say, honestly, that none of those relationships would be what they are today. Because it has been, over these 20 years, coming here, coming here, practicing, sitting session, finding that tranquility, and seclusion and quiet so that I have been able to see some of the ways that I cause suffering. So for those of you who are doing your first session, it is challenging, but it does get easier a little. And it's so good for you. Like that has been my experience. It is an amazing practice. So I decided today, because I have never shared a little bit about my relationship with this apple tree, that that's what I would like to do. The apple tree actually 
wanted to share their wisdom with you. The apple tree has a lot more to say than I do. But we are in conversation. I am a golden, delicious apple tree. I come from a long line of apple trees reaching back eons. In this lifetime, I live in an orchard with 24 rows of trees. I have an orchardist who often comes and sits on my lowest branch. She calls it her bench, and sometimes she comes and she reads a book. A few days ago, my orchardist told me she was leaving for a week. She was going to a silent meditation retreat, and she talked about sitting in a large room with others. What's it like, I asked her. When I walk into the space, I am awed, she said. I'm nervous. I'm nervous even though I've been coming here for 20 years. It's, it's so spacious and quiet. I'm aware of my body and my footfalls as I walk, trying to find my seat for this week of practice. I notice when you sit on my bench, sometimes you don't move. Are you meditating? I'm hearing the birds. I'm feeling the quality of energy around me. My body is still, but I wouldn't say I'm meditating. I wouldn't say I'm not not meditating. I told her, I don't move. I can't move. My trunk is rooted to the ground. Season after season, I experience early frost, summer droughts, masses of insects that gnaw my leaves and burrow into my bark. I always remain still. Of course, my branches and my leaves and my twigs, they rustle in the wind, but my roots, my roots that have worked so hard to make their way through the rocks, because this orchard is very rocky, I am not going anywhere. No possibility of moving. How is it when you sit in your orchard rose at your retreat? She said, when I'm sitting, I feel the air brushing against my skin, the swish when a person walks by in their long robe. I may hear a cough or a sneeze, or the tears of someone meeting sadness, regret, or fear. I meet my own fears, sadness, and regret. But I try to be at ease, to feel the spaciousness around me, 
and, and let everything just pass through my body. But no matter what, I don't move either. I'm rooted by my commitment to this practice. Then my orchardist told me about her hara. She put her hand on her belly. Is it your heartwood, I asked. Heartwood is my place of stability and solidity. No matter the changes that come and go, whatever happens, my heartwood keeps me stable. It reminds me of what is most important, of how much the world needs all of us. Every tree has something to offer. And it's the same for humans. She told me she would be sitting for many, many hours. Like she said, it like it was a lot of hours. I understand. I, I get it. I see humans. They're always driving here and there, walking from this to that, going from thing to thing. When I'm in bloom, you should see. Someone drives up to the orchard, they leave their car on, they dash out, they take a picture, and then they jump back in their car and they drive away. They don't spend any time, of course, admiring my blossoms. I know, that sounds a little self-pitying, but my orchardist told me in Japan, they make a ritual of admiring the cherry blossoms. They bring picnics and drink hot sake and sit under the blossoms. They contemplate their beauty and their impermanence. They know that true beauty comes from impermanence. A flower, a fruit, a life. I told her, I have come to see that everything is impermanent. And it's really helpful, especially when stacks of aphids are covering the underside of my leaves. When I'm just, I am so uncomfortable, I think I can't stand it anymore. I say, it will pass. And I relax a little, a little. I try to remember that the aphids are not going to take over my whole tree. They're only nibbling the leaf tips here and there. And they're food for ladybugs. And my commitment is not to do harm. I have to allow, I have to allow for discomfort. I don't expect to be comfortable all the time. She was quiet. She was getting up to leave, and I wanted her to stay. I had to think of something to quickly say. So I said, I think all apple trees are kind and considerate. We all live with the same conditions, but some of us struggle more than others. Is it the same for you? She said, underneath, people want the same things to be loved 
and to love. It's quite simple, but it gets so complicated. We attack, we kill each other. You still kill each other, I asked with disbelief. I'd heard about some bloody wars, but thought by now humans might have learned. We fight for ideas and for power. People die. Some powerful leaders declare war on another country because they want more resources, like trees. Yes, and oil and minerals like gold and iron and cobalt and copper. Some people fight because they also they have different beliefs, and so they fight. People lose their homeland, their homes, their family, their culture. It's not fair. I get so upset. All people should be safe from harm. I said, she said, sometimes I don't know what to do with my sadness. I wish I could be helpful. Sometimes I just have to sit with it, feel it, and give it the time. And it moves through. It moves through me like a slow-moving river. After a pause, she said, You're very kind, Golden Delicious, and patient. I admire that. If I didn't have patience, I wouldn't survive. Apple trees know patience. We know that nothing can be hurried. We aren't in control. The weather creates the conditions for our lives. Patience is the first trait we learn when we're only a young sapling, and it takes a long time of settling down into our roots to learn patience. We're always returning to being being here and now, not thinking of the future, of becoming a big, glorious tree, not thinking of the past, Sometimes it can be difficult. I get frustrated. I get angry that another tree is taking too many nutrients or showing off or not engaging in their life the way I think they should. Often, though, when I reflect, those are things that I myself do. Trees need to work together to make the orchard healthy. I've seen over and over how we need to consider the larger family and not just ourselves or the trees next to us. All the beetles, butterflies, bees, flies, fungi, bacteria, birds, deer, voles, rabbits, coyotes, earthworms, snakes, they're all connected. We're part of a whole. We're really one unity. But what do you do when anger arises, she asked. When I feel anger, I return to my heartwood, my center. It takes effort, real effort. I have to meet my anger and hold it. And then I say, Patience, golden delicious. Then I ask myself, 
what am I angry about? Did anyone really do something to me? This is helpful. It's all a story I'm making up. After patience, we learn generosity. Trees give to each other. How to help another tree, how to support our community. We're always communicating with each other through our roots and the fungal strings that attach to our roots. We can send nutrients that another tree might need. And we learn how to give just the right amount, not too much, not too little. We can also send out scents to warn other trees about an insect that's coming their way. And we make suggestions of what to do to keep that insect at bay. We can communicate anytime, day or night. And always, always when we are preparing for our death. I think it's good to live as if one might die tomorrow. I'm always trying to give things away, things I don't need. Generosity is thinking of others. I always try to let those know how much I care about them, those other trees. I want to make sure they know I don't want to die tonight and not have them know. My orchardist's eyes were getting wide, and she seemed to be getting more engaged by what I was saying. I told her it's not easy to be fully ourselves every year following the seasons committed fully to this way of life. She said, you know, I can't believe it. You won't believe it. But my Zen teacher teaches the same things. There are six practices that he says are the most important for us to understand and use. He spoke about them two days ago. They're called the perfections. They ferry us from the shore of suffering across to the shore of an enlightened way of being. These practices are called the paramitas, and they are training in acting selflessly. They break down this false view that we hold, that we are separate, that we are independent. The six perfections are generosity, discipline, patience, effort, meditative concentration, and wisdom. I was interested to hear her talk. I know about Buddhism, or a little bit about Buddhism, because one of my grandparents, Renette Franche, came to France 500 years ago. In fact, one of her descendants is still growing in the uh, Garden of Luxembourg in Paris. And Renette Franche passed this story 
onto one of my parents, Grimes Golden. And we tell all our descendants, like, I know this because it's in my DNA. This story we love to share. A, a seed, an apple seed, from my oldest ancestor, traveled from the Tian Shan Mountains, this is in the border between China and Kazakhstan. This seed traveled along the Silk Road, probably we think in a horse's swaying belly, and arrived eventually, it would be my great, great, great grandparent, arrived in northeastern India 2,500 years ago. There they met Ficus religiosa, a wise and generous tree, who told them the story of a man who came and sat under their branches. The man was bone thin, just a thin layer of skin over his ribcage, his voice, he, he could barely whisper. He was destroying himself. He had been doing ascetic practices for six years and reached the limit of what his body could endure. He was walking slowly, hesitantly, when he fell and couldn't rise. A young woman, Sugata, saw him, barely breathing, the sun beating down on him. Without hesitating, she poured milk from the jar she carried into a bowl and held it up to his lips. As the man tasted a few drops, his mouth opened for more. He finished the bowl. The girl woman led him to the soothing waters of the river. He was alive. He was conscious. He had come close to his death, but he had not died. The man began to ask himself why he had left his family and caused them so much suffering if all these practices were leading to his own death. He wanted to find a way to relieve humans from their suffering. He knew his own death could not be the way. Then he remembered a childhood experience of sitting under a rose apple tree it was plowing time, and all the villagers were out in the fields. His own father, the king, was helping. The young boy was left in the shade of a tree, this rose apple tree. The boy was still. In his stillness, in the quiet shade, he experienced a contentment that came 
from being at peace, solitary, secluded, and concentrated. He could still hear the calls of the villagers and the birds chattering, but it was a deep happiness that arose from just sitting in seclusion. It was pleasurable. The man considered, what did this have to do with spiritual awakening? He and his other six fellow seekers had been trying to get rid of all sensual desires as the path. They were destroying their bodies. And this man, this man was the best of them all. The man considered the milk was tasty and the river soothing. It was cold and comforting. He was more at peace than he had been in all his years of ascetic practice. Could this be the way? It was different than what everyone had taught him. It was the middle way. He would never stop using his senses. They weren't the problem. Human suffering came from attachment, craving, and from thinking satisfying these cravings would bring lasting happiness. The man took notice of his body. He felt a kindness towards it. He vowed to sit under a nearby tree with heart-shaped leaves until he found the answer he was seeking. The man watched the thoughts that arose in his mind. He recognized old memories and habits, doubts and stories. He watched and he watched until he grew weary of them. His thoughts quieted, his sense gates felt far away. Ficus religiosus branches and leaves attended to the man while he sat. They offered calm and refuge and strength. The heartwood of the man and the heartwood of the tree became one. The tree and the man became inseparable. There are many wonderful trees in the world, and there are many wonderful human beings, spiritual beings, and often they appreciate each other. Then, then it was my turn to be surprised. My orchardist told me she had been to Bodh Gaya in northeastern India with her Buddhist teachers and other Dharma friends. A few years ago, she had walked 
around that very tree. She said, we call this tree the Bodhi tree. The man realized he and all beings are bestowed with Buddha nature. All beings are complete and perfect. He is the man we call the Buddha. At first, he didn't want to teach, but some people and some celestial beings, and I think even some trees, convinced him. And the man said, I will teach those who suffer how to free themselves from their attachment to the causes of suffering. I will teach so their compassion and wisdom will grow. He also said, I and all beings have attained the way. We sat quietly. I needed those words to sink into my heartwood. I hadn't heard them before. I and all beings have attained the way. They include me and you. Then she opened the book she had brought with her, a book of Chinese Taoist women poets, and she read, My mind is a distant drifting cloud. I know it won't return. I asked, where did the mind, where did that poet's mind go? Why did she write that? What else did she say? My mind is a distant drifting cloud. I know it won't return. It lives with clouds in the space between existing and the void. I told her, I often follow the drifting clouds and feel a little bereft when I look up and see not a one, only that vast nothingness until crow or hawk or bluebird flies by. My orchardist told me another story about a Chinese goddess who cares for a peach tree that leaves out only once every thousand years, and the fruit takes 3,000 years to ripen. But when it does, the goddess invites the immortals to feast on her peaches and renew their immortality. We chatted a bit more about this and that, and then she said, there's not a peach to be had in New England this year. The freeze in mid-January killed all the buds. I heard them, I said. It was awful. Fruit trees want to flower fully in our season. We want to be in accord with, in accord with the natural order. I reminded her the word guardian comes from the Middle English word garden. I am a guardian. I am watchful, and I want nothing more than to care for this world fully. In Thailand, she said, forest monks perform tree ordination ceremonies to affirm trees are sacred. 
Monks wrap robes around ordained trees and hang signs on their trunks to remind others to harm the forest is to harm a life. It was time for her to leave. I think she knew I was feeling a little sad. So she said there is a poem by Hafiz, a 14th century Sufi poet, about an apple tree. An apple tree was concerned about a late frost and losing its gifts that would help feed a poor family close by. Can't the clouds be generous with what falls from them? Can't the sun ration itself with precision? They can speak, trees. They can say the sweetest things. But it takes special ears to hear them. Ears that have listened to people with great care. I wanted to offer her something. And I said, May your heartwood be filled with the devotion you share in your spiritual community. So just one edition from my own voice. And um, I made mention of, in the beginning, of a of a relationship of 20 years with my partner, Blaze, and I never bring him into a talk. But I know he's actually watching today. And I wanted to say that he always sends me a little note when I leave. I can never tell because I feel like he doesn't want me to leave. But I always find a little note in my knapsack or suitcase that he's written, and I always leave him a note. And those last lines come from him. He said, enjoy your people in the New York hills. He said, may your heart burst with the collective devotion you share in your sacred community. So I share that with you. May your hearts burst with the devotion we share in this sacred community. Thank you for listening. To find out more about ZMM's programs, retreats and residency, please visit us online at zmm.org.